Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We have a great jam-packed episode for you guys. Today, I will be joined by ESPN's Mike Rothstein to just kind of get into all of it, right? The Falcons have had one of their crazier weeks um, that they've had in a quite a long time. Um, and so Mike is just going to be here to help me really break all of that down, go into the nitty gritty behind the Falcons quarterback change, going to Taylor Heineke, um, now officially instead of Desmond Ritter, the Grady Jarrett injury, uh, his season is done. LaCale London also going to IR. So how will that impact the defense? Uh, it's a story that would be a massive story if the Falcons weren't also making a quarterback change. And then, you know, just a few other injuries have popped up. Drake London, what does the receiver situation look like if he is going to be out? Um, we touch on a lot of things, as Mike and I often do when he joins the show. It's a nice, rambling, luxurious conversation into all of the most pressing Falcons topics of the time. And there are a lot this week. So that is what is on tap for you guys today. Apologies for this show coming out a day later than I promised. Uh, I was just a little bit under the weather yesterday. So that is why we uh, ultimately decided to just push it back a day. Let me uh, get a little bit of R&R and get right back to it. So Mike was kind enough to uh, be able to join me this afternoon. Um, and so we, again, got into all of it. Because Mike and I went... Uh, pretty long today. We're going to, or I am going to just let our conversation speak for itself. I was going to just share a couple of quick thoughts up top about uh, Taylor Heineke taking over for Desmond Ritter, but I'll just keep it real short and say, I think it's a good move. I think ultimately in the short term, it raises the floor and probably more of the attainable ceiling for this Falcons offense um, in each game. And then you get a two game sample size, two and a half game. Now that he's already played a half game, you go into the bye week. If he's not performing, all right, you see where you are at that point. I won't feel great about the team. Um, but in the short term, Taylor Heineke throughout his career has been in a spot like this. He's come through in spots like this. He's provided sparks to offense. I liked what I saw out there on Sunday. That's not to say Desmond Ritter will never be a good quarterback in this league, that he won't even return to being a starter at some point this season for the Falcons. However, given the way things were trending, given the turnovers happening, I, I think this move makes a lot of sense. And he kind of made it at a time where you can reevaluate in two weeks, but you also were making it at a point where you're still right in the thick of contention, your first place in the division, but maybe things were starting to trend in a direction that you didn't like as a team. So you got a new quarterback. We'll see what it looks like on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to get into my conversation uh, here with Mike Rothstein in just one sec, but first... The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing as well. Bet Online is the number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, no matter the sport. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. So head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, 
for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. I'm very excited to be joined once again by Mike Rothstein, who does an amazing job covering the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN.com. Mike, thank you for taking the time, man. How are you? Uh, oh, always happy to join you, Will. Uh, always happy to join you. That was, uh, that's the nicest thing anyone said about me this week, so I appreciate it. Oh, well, I'm always, always looking forward to having you on this podcast. I love our conversations. As you know, it's the reason why we spend... I don't know, like an hour before every home game, chatting it up on the on the sideline. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm looking Which forward maybe to. We'll, maybe we'll do it again on Sunday. We'll see. What uh, we here. we better. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be hurt if we don't. We're going to be scouting well, I mean, Jaron Hall. I'll, I'll, I'll be, be having a wa- listen. I, I'm going to have to watch a, a new quarterback take first team reps. So that's true. You know, there's a little bit more paying attention that needs to be done. That, that's true. So let's uh, let's get in to that right now. Can you take us, you know, behind the decision to? go from Desmond Ritter to Taylor Heineke. I mean, I like it's been yeah. just the topic. So you go ahead. I mean, uh, yeah, well, listen, I mean, it's just a lot of variables, man. Um, just a lot of variables, uh, which you heard <laughs> Arthur Smith saying. Can you give us one? What, what are, can anybody uh, give us a just lot one of, of the variables? I mean, I mean, listen, no one, no one publicly in the organization is, uh, you know, commenting really beyond that. Although Desmond Ritter kind of today, I thought I gave a little bit more of a a peek behind what happened. Although he he was very quick to say he did not really press uh, Arthur Smith yeah. for reasons, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but he also could just be saying that publicly because he doesn't want to get into it, um, mm-hmm. which I can completely understand. But he did mention ball security a couple times. When we asked him, he talked for about eight minutes today, meaning Thursday. He talked about ball security. He did mention something about game plan and understanding the game plan even more, but that could have just been him saying, I, I know I need to know all of this better. I'm a second-year player type thing. But I, I thought those two things were interesting. Uh, to me, I, I mean, listen, the ball security stuff has been an issue. I, that's You take away half of the turnovers, and this is kind of like one of those like, hey – you know, but yeah, but other than those really tw- 20 bad things that happened, everything else was good. Like, yeah. Uh, but if you take away half of his turnovers, we're probably not having this conversation today because he had been taking pretty good steps until the first half of that Titans game. And that first half of the Titans game was just a mess on every level. Mm-hmm. Special teams was making horrific decisions with Marquise Williams, their special teams coordinator. Uh, all but admitted that Mike Mike Hughes is making bad decisions as a punt returner. Yeah, that was and weird. Yeah, I, no, I, I, not weird. I was like, hey, someone's actually saying something. No, no, not was, what Marquise was saying, that Mike Hughes oh, made the decisions Oh, yeah, it was very made. weird was, yeah. what he was doing. Like, they, they, it was, some of it was like basic. That's the thing is that some of the, some of it was like basic football. So like Mike Hughes is making some of those decisions. Desmond Ritter said multiple times, like five point on the ball, and carrying in the right hand is something he learned when he first started playing football. Like that is one of the first things you learn. And he kept messing it up. So I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it's really some of that simple stuff. But you look at that first half of the Titans game, and nothing went well. Their field positioning was yep. awful. Their offensive line was bad. Like they just couldn't really yeah, block. And I know Kurt Warren did this whole thing. Killed them in that game. Yeah, I, I mean Jeffrey Simmons and Denigo Autry were were fantastic, phenomenal. Um, so there, there were a lot of factors, but it comes down to, I think, turnovers, critical mistakes, uh, looking for a spark, you know, and I, and I don't know, like, again, they have not said any of these things. Desmond Ritter kind of alluded to at least the, the turnovers part of it. 
Um, I, I think he'll bet. I think there's a, a thought, and it, you know, I've, I asked this question of Arthur Smith, and he said it was a good question, and you know, but he wasn't going to change any of his from his specific answer, which is. I think it could benefit him from watching for a couple of weeks. I agree. I've seen it happen with other players at other positions, most notably Darius Slay, uh, who started a couple of games as a rookie and then it was not going well and he ended up getting benched. And then Chris Houston got hurt, I think, midway through that season and he came back in and still wasn't great, but had clearly gotten better. And obviously, we've seen where Darius Slay has gone since, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL over the last, mm-hmm. you know, De- about three quarters of a decade, Def- definitely a hollow, very good player at the very least, right? Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, I think some of it is that too, is trying to maybe get him a different, get Desmond Ritter a different vantage point. Uh, I don't think it's coincidental that this is happening two weeks before a buy, so you can kind of get a better, a good evaluation of how Taylor Heineke leads this team yeah. this week. And maybe next week, I would imagine. To me, I, I think this is more of a two-week thing than a one-week thing. But they're probably giving themselves outs there. And, and then you kind of see what happens from there over the bye, and you maybe make a, a decision based on where you are in the division race, mm-hmm. which clearly nobody's interested in running away with. And, yep. uh, you know, and, and the play itself. I mean, listen, Taylor Heine comes out, plays well the next two games. You can't go back to Desmond now. Right. To me, this yeah, is Taylor I, I, Heineke's, I, I, it's, the ball is in his court, right? Like, oh, completely. Like Desmond Ritter, like Desmond Ritter basically at this point, for the first time in his NFL career, it, I think that it is completely out of his control. Now, obviously last year, Marcus Mariota could have played well mm-hmm. and, and that would have been out of his control, but he was a rookie. He had not played. And, and you always want to see a rookie quarterback, especially one, you know, drafted day two. Like just the pressure was always going to build. People always wanted to see Desmond Ritter. So right. to your point, his job this year was just do not lose the job, right? Like even if I mean, I think his job was more than that. But yeah, well, I, I right. mean, listen, I, I think I was on this podcast before the season and I said I thought if they got average quarterback play, they would win the division going away. Fair. Because and, of and that's how I should have. And that was without knowing it. how that prior to Sunday, mm-hmm. this defense was going to be as good as it is because I think it is still a, a very good defense, um, the inability to cover DeAndre Hopkins aside. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's where I think it stands right now. I do – I mean, I don't think Arthur Smith is like lying when he's saying there, there's a lot of variables and a lot of factors that go into it because whenever you make this type of decision, there's a lot of variables, a lot of factors that go into it. Even last year when they moved on from Marcus Mariota and the timing of that, there were a lot of things that, that yeah. went into it, including Desmond Ritter. I, you know, I talked to him last year when he was – kind of still like i'm still figuring all this out so he was you know he i mean he admitted it multiple times last year like it took a while for him to figure it all out yeah and so, the, the second guy has to yeah. be ready right it's not always just about hey marcus Mariota's playing poorly throw desmond right. ritter it's like what if that guy what if he's not ready to leave the nest yet like he he doesn't exactly. know how to fly exactly you're not gonna push yeah, him out and I, yeah and i mean I, listen I, I don't know whether some of that was to, you know this maybe why they kept rolling i mean i, I don't think it's the same thing this year, but right. Taylor Heineke admitted like this is a hard offense to learn. He said that back in August, you know, like there's a lot of things that they do in this offense that takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because don't forget, this is an offense that largely runs out of the same personnel, but a ton of 
different looks and packages out of that same personnel. So that's more on the quarterback versus some of the, some other offenses where it's ba- based on who's in is what it is looking like, you know, yeah. like wh- whether it's a one, you know, whether it's 13 personnel or 11 or 12, mm-hmm. where this offense is very much, a lot of times it's the same core group of five or six, obviously really only have five skill position guys in at a time, but you know, five or six guys that are rotating in a lot. Yeah. It's like and, we're we're gonna have yeah. a five ingredient menu, but we're gonna cook a bunch of different things with those five ingredients, as opposed to we have a new menu every single night and like, all right, yeah. each thing has just six things on it, but here's the new menu. Go ahead and it's it's a little bit like that. It's almost like you're a professional podcaster, Will, because you're able to do that in ten words. That took me five minutes. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> I I thank you. I did appreciate though your point about just a little bit of a change of vantage point for Desmond Ritter because I do think that, and this is another metaphor, but it's a little bit like when you're playing video games and you're you're with a friend and then maybe you can't beat a level and so you hand the controller over to your friend. And that's not to say they're the greatest video game player in the world, but maybe they just see things a little bit differently. And by watching them. You say, oh, that's weird. I would have done this, but I see you do this and it's effective. So maybe I'll take that little trick and stow that away in the back of my mind. And you almost learn by seeing how somebody else approaches the same situation that he had been approaching. But now he'll see that on the uh, on the sidelines and kind of still benefit, I think, from that coaching and just watching somebody else operate in this offense. Because when I saw Taylor Heineke in there in the second half, the biggest thing I think that just jumped out to me was it felt like he had more comfort and just kind of command of not specifically the Falcons offense, but just offensive football in general, which isn't surprising given the disparity and how long they've both been in the league. But there were just moments where I felt like, okay, Taylor Heineke has a plan A, B, and a C. And so A and B go out the window. So immediately he's like, I'm going plan C. Let's keep going. And at times, it's just felt like Desmond Ritter has not necessarily had those nuances to his game yet. And when it breaks down, you see that kind of, you know, just you see that he looks like a second year quarterback. Well, he's not. He's still. Te- I mean, yes, he's technically sure, his right. second year, yeah. but he, 12 starts, you know, I mean, that, that, that's part of this, too. Um, hey. It's a tough. It's a tough read. I want to know, by the way, who hurt you in like Starfield or Civilization Dude, or Call of uh, Duty or Rampage? It's Super Smash Bros. for me, man. I used. Well, I, was, so I good. was like, I just want to know who hurt you. In the, yeah. I, I was going to jump in, but I want to let you finish your point. But I, yeah. I was like, who hurt you in the video game space? It's. it's um, I'm real bad at Smash, and it's it's one of my. I, I don't even. Pl- I, I I choose not to play. Bachelor um, parties are a nightmare for me, man. <laughs> I'm just fair enough. Schooled left and right. Oh, uh, yeah. Just hand over the sticks, man. Yep. That's like Mario Kart, bro. Like, be better. Uh, but <laughs> I've been told that many, many times. <laughs> I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. But no, listen, I, it's, I, I get where you're going with that analogy. But the, the thing to me is that we're talking, it's not a video game, it's a career, you know, like right. these opportunities. And I asked Desmond Ritter that today. I'm like, listen, you get it maybe better than anybody that these opportunities, like, they, they don't come around very often. Like there's only, you know, 32 slash really 64 to, to what, 96, if my math's correct at most NFL jobs as quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And when you lose a starting job, there's no guarantee you're going to get it back. And he was like, well, you know, I was like, you know, he, and he, he, to his credit, he didn't say, Desmond didn't say a lot today, but he was like, you know, yeah, I mean, like there are questions, but 
you know, he's trying to stay positive, it, it seemed like, and really be like, everything is not changing. I know I'm still doing the same things and we'll see what this looks like. But just human nature would say like, yeah, like, I mean, you just got demoted in your job. Like, yeah, it's I, tough. And anyone who gets demoted in their job is not going to be all, you know, they might put on brave faces, but they're not going to be all rainbows and sunshine all the time. Like, you know, sometimes you have to do what's best for for you know stuff but like that's just how you have to approach it sometimes like I, yeah I, but there's also it, been plenty of examples around the league of players that have not handled it well right oh you know so I, so I mean, at least give him credits for the fact that oh, he's, yeah, he's i'm giving him all the credit yeah. for that i mean he i he, and if he does expect to eventually come back like if he's in his mind saying okay after the bye week i'm gonna refresh i'm gonna reorient and i it's we're hitting that then you kind of can't throw a tantrum and just you know, no. like freak out in the locker room. No, nor do I mean, That's he's never meaner anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, he's never struck me as a guy that would do that anyway. And, and, and listen, I think he saw, he saw what happened last year too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when he, he went from backup to starter and, you know, and everybody kind of saw between, you know, how, how, what happened with the Falcons and also the quarterback show on Netflix, like how everything went down there. So, I don't know. I mean, I think Desmond Ritter is handling this as best as he possibly could. Uh, Taylor Heineke is handling this as best because he's, I mean, listen, here's the other thing too, right? If you're Desmond Ritter, you're like, it's good for you that Taylor Heineke is the guy. And I'm not saying that from a play perspective. I'm saying it from legitimately, this is now the third season in a row that Taylor Heineke for one reason or another has had to come in at some point and become the starter when he was not expecting to do that mm-hmm. going in. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt in week one in 2021. Last year was the Carson uh, Carson Wentz got hurt and then just, you know, whatever. It, yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. Well, this is the third time that Taylor – So Taylor, I mean, Taylor said it multiple times. He's been in this spot before. So he knows how to handle it, and I think that we're seeing that. Both we saw it on Sunday against the Titans, and uh, I imagine we will see it going forward for however long he's starting, whether that is the rest of the season or that is two weeks. And I mean, listen, that's the other thing to understand here. The last two times this has happened, Taylor Heineke hasn't let go of the job so easy. Yeah. At and least they, in I mean, that season. And they said they needed a spark a little bit, right? And so maybe that's one of the variables is is – Taylor Heineke has proven, hey, like he can certainly be a spark out there on the field, um, not just, you know, in in his production, but also in kind of a style of play, which is a lot of fun. The last question that I have for you about the quarterbacks, and then I want to get to Grady Jarrett and the trade deadline and, and a couple of other things. Yeah. But what do you anticipate the offense changing at all with Taylor Heineke kind of behind center? Or is that kind of why he's here is because it can be as close to maybe a you know, a plug and play uh, replacement as possible. No, I mean, not in the short term, right? Like there'll be things I think that they do differently. There'll be maybe a couple different play calls that fit what Taylor does better than maybe what Des does. Yeah. But those are like and normal it, things during the right, NFL. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I would say if there's any change to the offense, it would come if Taylor Heineke remains the starter after the bye, because that gives Arthur Smith, Dave mm-hmm. Ragone, their staff time to self scout and also a week of planning 
and saying, Hey, maybe you try this, maybe you try that. Yeah. And, and a nice and little you, sample size from, you know, yeah, two games and, with and Taylor yes, You're right. And and you've seen now two and a half games of what yep. you can do uh in that. All right. So let's obviously the quarterback situation. It's now officially out of our hands. We've got the answer. It's up to Taylor Heineke to decide what, you know, becomes of, of that talk moving forward. So Grady Jarrett, unfortunately, you know, he will not be moving forward on the field with the team. He's done for the year. Uh, I mean, what what was just kind of the mood amongst some of the defensive players you talked to, Ryan Nielsen, about what this loss will mean for the defense? Well, listen, they're all bummed because, I mean, great. We've talked a lot about Calais Campbell and great and and Jesse Bates, right? And mm-hmm. and their leadership this year and what they've brought. But Grady Jarrett's been the guy. Yep. Grady Jarrett is the heart and soul of this defense. Like, I mean, he's the what second longest tenured player on the roster behind Jake Matthews at this point. Yeah, and that's just he's one year cap- of difference. Yeah. Right. He's been a captain and feels like forever. Uh they're going to miss him. I mean, they're going to miss him in the locker room, although Ryan Nielsen made it sound like Grady is planning on being around a lot, which does not surprise me in no, the slightest. Um, because he, you know, when I've talked to Grady, especially about young players, he, he makes a point to try and take young players under his wing, and they have a lot of young defensive linemen right now. He's done it with Taquan Graham the last couple of years. Obviously, Zach Harrison's around uh now as well who they drafted in the third round and now you know and, and they have Calais who who's helped too so i, I anticipate great jared will still be around because don't forget too it's not like he's on a one-year or two-year deal like he's signed yeah. to this team for a while so he has a lot vested and invested in this franchise and not just yeah. because he's from here like so it, off the field it's 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 tough for them i mean like you know there's no doubt on the field it's also difficult for them because not only did they lose grady jarrett but lakel london's out for at least the next four weeks and he is the yep. direct backup to grady jarrett so now all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're like okay well what what's that going to look like and i, I don't know yet i mean it, there's not we, we only watch individuals mm-hmm. during the week um uh, i think maybe i'll get better a little bit of better idea tomorrow maybe uh, on friday but we won't know for sure till Sunday, probably until inactives come out on Sunday, because they have done they have rotated defensive linemen so much with the inactives. Like, yeah. do they call Timmy Horn up? Yep. Right. And and you know, does Timmy now, or do they sign Timmy outright? I think he's got he's been called about twice this year, so I think he's got one more that he can he can do before they make a decision there, because he's a big guy that, that can kind of play the middle. But you know, I mean, do you move Calais Campbell? into the middle with that first group um, is Albert Huggins, a guy that now ends up playing in that middle a little more, you know, they obviously signed Contavious or they traded for Contavious street and they signed um, Kansas state kid uh, who I talked to today. Very nice kid uh, <laughs> off of, uh, you know, Chicago's practice squad. So yeah, there's, there are options and they're trying to find those options, but let's be honest. Travis Bell. Travis, thank you. I yep. feel I apologize, Travis Bell. I met you today, so it, it, you haven't been around a lot yet. Um, but he emails the show frequently, so I'm sure he'll okay, let us good. know about. Um, Kennesaw State guy, man. You know, like he, he's local. Uh, but like, here's the thing, right? Because you'll hear next man up a lot. You always hear it. You hear it whenever anyway, you heard it with Jeff Okuda. You heard it with with. Any injury, uh, you know, on any NFL team, but the reality, and I actually like like dove into this one year because when Darius, like Darius Slay, got hurt and they 
But Lions were saying, oh, next man up, next man up. And I'm like, well, but if it's that simple, why would that guy not be playing? Like Darius has special skills here. <laughs> right. And yeah. I mean, Brady's in that same boat. So it, it's next man up in terms of expectation, not like expectation yeah. for the position, not the reality of maybe what somebody can do. So I, I imagine they will piecemeal this together uh, until they find a rotation that works for them for a little while, you know, and, and it's going to take a lot of different guys and a lot of different mixes to maybe replicate some of that because Grady Jarrett was having a really good year. It may not have shown like statistically completely, mm-hmm. but he was having, I, I thought he was having a fantastic season and there were points where he would just be dominant this year. Yes. Um, and and he's a big reason why their defense is as good as it is. Like that's that's another concern for the Falcons going forward. So much attention. It's it's kind of interesting, right? Because in any other week of the year, the entire conversation of that week would probably be centered around Grady Jarrett, their defensive line, and their defense and what they're going to do. Yeah, true. And you really haven't heard any of it this week because of the quarterback conversation. But it's I mean, you fine. Let, let's make let, let's make this. Very real comparison. They're changing the quarterback on offense, and they lost their quarterback on defense. It's great because Brady Jarrett, from an emotional deal, is absolutely that. And in terms of experience in on this team, in terms of guy, someone guys look to, which is almost always the quarterback. That that's what they lost in Brady Jarrett. Now Calais and Jesse Bates and Caden Ellis and you know AJ can and AJ Terrell can kind of make up for that and, and will I'm sure. And that's kind of the benefit in Bud Dupree. Like they've got, they've all had veteran guys um, and guys at every level of the defense that they can count on. And, and specifically Calais and Jesse, it feels like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is that Jesse's the guy who now is like the second quote unquote once a week, like podium SB oh, at least he was this week. Okay. So that to me tells me where they're, they're looking at. You know, and, and Jesse Bates is obviously named a captain. He's the other defensive captain. So yeah. that maybe is part of it too. But Calais, you know, ha- has had a uh, very large influence on this entire defense and really the entire roster. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of that a little bit more. And then on the field, I think you just kind of got to figure it out. And this is why they wanted to have the depth that they did, that they do, because they, they're going to probably need that depth a little bit more. Um, but it, it gets it gets real interesting right now. You know, it gets real interesting now what this looks like uh, going forward because their run defense has been pretty good all year, and that, that's you know a mm-hmm. large part of where where Grady Jarrett is, is so helpful. Yeah, I mean, their run defense has really been great. I think one of the things that we've seen when the Falcons are effective at getting pressure, it's either with these simulated pressures. Sometimes it's it's with a blitz, but also they just do a really good job, I think, of getting most of their guys in one-on-one situations where then they expect them to win. But Grady is such a huge part of that because he does command not every single play, but like he gets that extra attention. So you're hoping David Onyemata, Clays Campbell, Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, Cade Nellis, if he's the one kind of coming in and somebody's dropping out, like that the attention Grady gets, now you've boosted the guys around him and they can win on -on one-on-one matchups. It's not about getting a guy just like scot-free or anything like that. So yeah, not you know ha- even if it was Lakea London, he's not drawing that attention. Now it's David Onyemata, or they keep an extra guy who's kind of hunting one of the edges. You know, it's it just changes the chemistry of how you face Atlanta's defense. And I'm curious to your point to see how Atlanta's defensive chemistry kind of changes in response to that. 
Another injury, though, that I want to talk about is Drake London, right? He suffered yeah. the groin injury. Yeah, again, Monday. not talked about at all this week because of the quarterbacks. It's, it's crazy, man. I'm like, uh, like injuries have not been a story at all this season outside of Troy Anderson for the Falcons. And then it like all cascades together in one week. Yeah. Um, but so Drake London missed the two practices so far this week. Uh, on Monday, it seemed like Arthur Smith said the groin injury was not as serious as they expected. So I'm curious, what do you expect do we expect to see Drake London at all this weekend? I, I don't know. I mean, I saw Drake London briefly today walking out of the locker room. He did not stop to talk with us. Um, he actually walked out before locker room was open. Mm. Uh, That's not the best time. Well, I mean, it was like a minute before locker room was open. So, yeah. you know, I, I, it was, I, I'm not, I, I don't know what to expect. I mean, usually when guys don't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, especially with a new quarterback, True. Great point. Like I, that, I, I have a tough time seeing maybe that happening on Sunday, but we will see tomorrow because there'll be injury designations tomorrow. If he, if he's able to get back on the field tomorrow, meaning Friday, not sure exactly when this, when you're dropping this, but uh, if he's able to get back on the field Friday, then I think that, you know, that that'll give him a shot to at least play some, but don't forget to Arthur Smith has been very conservative Yes, he has. When it comes to injuries uh, throughout throughout his three years, specifically this year, it's been very obvious. It's a couple of high-profile situations. But like, uh, he's been very, very cautious with injuries. And Drake London is such a big part of their offense, especially their passing game, that I, I have a tough time seeing them pushing him back too early. Uh, I mean, listen, Drake London told me on Sunday that he's fine. But A, that could be adrenaline, and B, uh, that could just be a 22-year-old guy saying, yeah, I'm fine, like yeah. because he's 22 years old and his second year in the league. But listen, if they don't have Drake, that's that, – I don't, I don't think people understand how big of a loss that is because he has been gaining – he has been garnering so much attention. that Attention that in some ways has been drawn away from Kyle Pitts, which has allowed Kyle Pitts to kind of get going. So, mm-hmm. and I think Kyle Pitts has played pretty well the last three to four weeks, right? So, I wish they would just stop running him on, and it's not every single play because obviously yeah. we know the athlete, but like so many times they'll run him on the five yard, just kind of curl pick route right over the middle of the field. And and it just, he sits and stops and they've just got a linebacker kind of sitting right behind him. And so obviously, you know, Desmond looks somewhere else and I'm just like, oh, Kyle Pitts, have him running the go, like have him running the, di-, which they do. And I know right. it's all about that versus it, but Anyway, not to to derail you there. It's just one of the pet. No, you're, no, no, you're not. I mean, that, but that's part of it, right? Like we're talking about the defensive line chemistry. Like that's so okay. All of a sudden, so let's for uh, argument's sake, or for uh, the, the sake of this conversation, let's just say Drake London does not play, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all right. So what is that? That means probably Mac Hollins slides, and it becomes what Mac Hollins, Kadero Hodge, and Van Jefferson. I was going to ask you who has Taylor Heineke worked the most with, and not that you see every right. player practice, I mean, I but individuals. Like, you're probably talking about Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller, and yeah. Hodge, and, and I don't think that that. I mean, because you got to remember, okay, so he's working scout team, working second team, mm-hmm. right? A lot of second team. Well, who are the second team guys? Kadero Hodge, Scotty Miller, exactly. Who he and connected with in the second. So that's kind of exactly. what I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I mean, Kadero Hodge had the second best game of his career yardage wise 
really all in like a half. All on one, a lot of it on one play. On one play, yeah. So, which he was pumped about, man. <laughs> he oh, was yeah. so excited. I mean, about I, I think he was as excited about that as he was his like first, and I believe now is it only but his first career touchdown last year. He was so excited about that too. <laughs> Even late. You know, I remember when he signed. People were like, got all of my mentions because I had said, well, he has never scored a touchdown in his career. <laughs> and like, people got so offended by that. And I'm like, I'm literally stating a fact. And I asked him, I remember I asked him about it. He's like, no, I haven't scored a touchdown. I'm like, <laughs> I get it. Like, Get your um, negative media bias out of here, Mike. I mean, negative, those negative facts. Uh, but you, you sit there and you say, okay, like that's, that, that you know, I think that you're looking at a combination of that. Like this yeah. is a chance for Mac Hollins, who has shown in prior stops and at points this season uh, to be able to get downfield. And uh, you know, I'll be curious to see what this looks like because if Drake London can't go, because maybe also listen, Kyle Pitts has lined up a lot more out wide and in the slot, much more like he did in 2021 mm-hmm. than last season. So. Does that mean like do they say you know what all right Kyle Pitts you're you're basically like hanging out at the X you know type of deal or, or X and slot and like they're not even bothering with the tight end spot with him if if Drake's out does he maybe take some of the routes that Drake was running I, I don't know because I mean Johnu has been obviously a more than capable number two tight end yep uh, you know and, and it's been I remember when you know people were like oh they're trading like he didn't do anything well yeah. Arthur Smith knows exactly what he was getting, knew exactly what he was getting in Johnny Smith, and, and that's shown. It was and, one of my he, favorite moves of the offseason. It was though, a smart move. I mean, yes. they traded a seventh round pick for a guy who's been yep. very productive for them. Which I figured you know, he would I, be, because again, you saw right. what it was in Tennessee. And you see his his yards after catch ability. Like when I watched some of the film of him in Tennessee, I was like, I see it immediately. I know how he fits. It's right. Michael well, Pruitt plus, plus, plus. Like that's what he is. I mean, I, I forget it was when I was on in March or April and we were talking about it. I was like, don't be surprised if Johnny Smith is like third on the team in targets. And that was before they drafted Bajon. So it, you know, kind of maybe dropped mm-hmm. down a fourth. But that has basically been where it's been for him this year because he is a valuable piece to what they're trying to do. And, uh, you know, to me, I think we could see a lot more two tight end, even more two tight end sets if Drake doesn't play. Or your you know tight end in name in terms of like what they are listed mm-hmm. as on their like on the personnel group yeah, yeah. On the, on, not even personnel but what they're listed on on the, like the, the place not the play sheet the the flip card there we go that's the right word um, you, you know I mean that's that's just what I think we're gonna see I mean it could also be in a bigger role for Cordero Patterson maybe in, in different I was areas wondering that as well because he yeah. is not had a huge role really in many games this year, except for the one game that Bajam barely played. He seems to be like their sixth man off the bench, but not necessarily in terms of every game day, kind of like, Hey, if we're dealing with a player missing right. time, we're going to change a little bit of maybe our approach, but that's now going to involve Cordero a little bit more. Andy's fresh and uh, you know, X, Y, right. Potentially. Right. I mean, I, I could see a lot. More. I mean, listen, I would not be shocked if we see a lot of running. Um, on both sides, frankly. <laughs> oh yeah, on both sides. But I, I would not. I, I mean, between Bajan and Algier and Cordero, like it would not shock me if we saw them really try to get all three of those guys going and, and take some pressure off if they don't have Drake London because that does change the path. Like this team went from a team that felt offensively very close like two weeks ago mm-hmm. to. 
there's all that momentum. All there's those que- there's the right questions. Yeah. I think everywhere except for running back right now, right? And I guess tight end, except for the fact that like, how much does the Drake London injury change? How you're going to use some of those guys? Offensive line is mm-hmm. struggling in pass protection. They are. I mean, you know, and that's been a, a, I think a theme all year, but they have been more so. You know, I think in the last few weeks, certainly. I mean, that first half last week was. It was, that was, that it was, was bad. That was pretty rough. So, you know, we'll see what happens, man. That's, uh, you know, I, I, I know people are like looking for answers and I wish I had more of them, but the reality of it, it goes back to what you and I talked about with Desmond Ritter, you know, to kind of bring that part of the conversation for full circle before we get to any trade deadline stuff, which is before the season, uh, everywhere I was on the ESPN radio, which I fill in as a host, this podcast, radio hits that I did, I said the same thing over and over. Anyone who told you what they knew that whether they knew Desmond Ritter was going to be good or not was lying to you because you just didn't know. And right. I feel like right now at the midway point of the season, anyone who tells you what this offense is going to look like now with the injuries that they have, with the change of quarterback, temporary or permanent, who's saying, I absolutely know, is not telling you. Like, I have no idea. I mean, I'm around the team every day. I'm very curious to see what this looks like Sunday. Yeah, I I was going to ask you, literally, I I had a a question that was like, what do you expect the next two weeks? Which I hate answering questions like that because like you just said, like who, I don't know. I'm not a future like teller. I I can't, if I knew I would be not doing this, I'd probably be in Vegas. Um, I can tell you, here's what I know. Here's what I expect the next two weeks. Here's what I know. Mindset wise, can you? I, I, frame I that know way? that it will be daylight savings time on Saturday. <laughs> Ooh, I need to send my. I'm writing that down. Great <laughs> reminder. Thank you, Mike. This <laughs> podcast was worth it just for that. I know that. I know it's good. Which actually, that was like an odd conversation that was going on in the locker room today about understanding daylight savings time. I, they, I, I thought I, we got I, rid of it like two years ago. Like, I, 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 I thought wish, I remember reading. Yeah. I, I, I wish fans, and, and you know, I try to take fans inside the best I can. I wish fans sometimes could understand the randomness of conversations in locker rooms. I mean, <laughs> and that's just when the media is in there too, right? Um, yeah. Because sometimes there just ends up being the most random conversations possible, um, like about a multitude of stuff. But you know, that's kind of what makes NFL locker rooms so fascinating to me. So, because you just because they're a, all just normal dudes, right? Like everybody I mean, else is talking about sports. But everybody, everybody, they're not talking about sports. Yeah, everybody's yeah. a normal person. Or not a normal person, but everybody, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there are three main facts in life, right? We're born, we're going to die. And in the middle of somewhere, we all just try to get by as best as we can every day. Those are the three, and I guess that you have to pay taxes. So four <laughs> uh, unalienable things that we know in life, right? And everything else is, is variable. To, to use Arthur Smith's term, a ton of variables. <laughs> but your motivational speaker career is taking off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but no, I, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, even in special teams, uh, like True. who's going to yeah. return points. Like everything about this team right now is a little bit of a question, which makes them uh, really, honestly, probably a little hard to prepare for, but also very intriguing. <laughs> Yeah, and also, you know, it's not necessarily where people wanted to be 
with two games to go before the bye week in year three. Like, this isn't the point where it's supposed to say, like, oh, look at all the questions that we had. It was supposed to be, all right, we've got answers and we're plowing through. But let's talk about the trade deadline before we get out of here. Um, seemingly, based on reports, the Falcons were interested in Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat interested in the Falcons. The deal didn't come together because it's not in the player's control. Um, you know, what can you tell me about maybe what the Falcons were trying to do at the trade deadline? I think some of it was colored by the Grady Jarrett injury, but they've also said, and the report came out before the game, you know, PFT, uh, Mike Florio saying that, hey, a third round pick's been offered for Montez Sweat. So just trade deadline. What can you give me about what the Falcons wanted to do maybe and what they ended up I mean, doing? I think it's pretty obvious what they were trying to do with what the trade the trade that they did make for Contavious Street and also... Which I like because at least New Orleans, he's got the connection right, with Ryan right. Nielsen. And he, he, had plug good, he had a good year under Ryan Nielsen. Yes. Well, he did. I mean, that, and that's the thing. I mean, def- there's this like thing in the NFL, right? Like defense, like defensive line coaches have their guys. And, and like, sometimes they'll be like, I'm a, this guy guy, because they, they, mm-hmm. they just, I, I don't know why it is with defensive line more than like any, I guess maybe a little offensive line too. So maybe it's a lineman thing, but like yeah. defensive line specifically, like when I cover the lions, like, and I know I talk about that a lot whenever I come on this show, but that's like a frame of reference for me because I covered so many coaches and so many staffs like Chris Kacerik, who's in, San Francisco now and does a great job with that defensive line, obviously. And he's one of the best defensive line coaches out there. Like you can be a Chris Kacerik guy. Like, uh, you know, and that is a Jim Washburn guy because that's who Kacerik learned from. And like that tree, like there's just something about certain defensive linemen, you know, and that goes in a little bit of Gunther Cunningham too, but you know, may he rest in peace, miss gun all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean, I, I get why they were trying to make that move. If it is, in fact, that they were trying to make that move. Uh, and I, I do believe they were. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's the thing, right? Chicago's for a second round pick could be like in the top two or three in the second round. Which makes it almost like a first round pick if you are Washington, say, trying to move up to, I don't know, you need a quarterback if you don't believe in Sam Howell, who's played well where it's a conversation of, yeah. like, do you want him? Or if it, who knows if it's going to be a new regime? And then are you trying to get in the first round to get an edge rusher, say, if they hire a defense? Like, who knows what that's, what that's going to look like? Um. Now there there would be some irony there, right? That they trade Chase Young and trade Montez Sweat. That's, and I was going to say they man, move if, up and the, they move up to get an edge rusher. There would be they irony do that, there. That would be wild. Yeah, I, I kind of hope it happens now for my guy John Connor because that would <laughs> probably be will. It probably I mean, will. It, but you're you're sitting there like that gives you flexibility. Or worst case scenario, that gives you. We see it all the time where those top three, four picks in the in the second end up being guys that you're like, oh, man, that, that, I thought that guy was going to go away early. Joey Porter Jr. is a great example Dog, last Will year. Levis. Will Levis is another example <laughs> yeah, where a lot of people just thought saw. he was going to yeah. go in the first round. So there's so much value to be had in that spot where t- take a look at what Atlanta would have been, right, if it, if it was a second. I don't know what that offer was, and I don't know – I have not been told 100% that there, there was an offer, but I, I know what has been reported, right, mm-hmm. um, and, and from conversations I've had with people. But let's just say Atlanta makes the playoffs. Entirely possible in this division. Entirely possible. 
Well, that pick is not going to be until like late, you know, mid to late second. So that value there, if you are Chicago or you are Washington, rather, is is huge. Like because yeah. if you get in the playoffs, who knows what happens? You because if you get in the playoffs, you're probably winning the division and you're get a home game. Then all of a sudden you win that. Well, all right, that pick's now in the bottom eight. And then let's just say you get a good matchup because this team has shown that they can compete in a lot. Maybe not with the top, top teams, but they can compete. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Smith yeah, has can. shown that he can be, a, at least as an offensive coordinator, be a very good one-game playoff coach. You know, we've seen, we saw that in Tennessee. Uh so I, I understand why Washington would be like, I, I want that that pick. Because also, let's be honest, you look at that division, like it's not like Chicago would have to go on a, a run to end all runs to to win that division. Yeah, it and, makes total sense to me why Washington yeah. decided to go with Chicago's offer. Um, like if, if Cleveland was willing to outbid the Falcons for the rights to Deshaun Watson and Chicago's willing to outbid the Falcons for the rights to Montez Sweat. Yeah, man, you, know, you like, can't make that comparison. That's brutal. No, I'm not. I'm just... He's also, I mean, Deshaun Watson's been all, like, been bad. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm... Like, you never know how things end up turning out. Again, not to say, like, I like Montez Sweat as a player, but I'm just saying both of those things are, are a little bit, like, out of the Falcons' control, right? Like, I mean, they just... Somebody swoops in and they can make deals with any other team they want to, right? Like that's part of the whole landscape of negotiation and trades and how this all works. So yeah, like I, I I would have been, I think a little more upset at the Falcons if they had, you know, said, here's a first round pick for Monta. Cause again, like where's the priority of the positions for you. And if you're entering the off season with question, a quarterback and you don't have the ammunition to even make a play at one of the, your top guys or whoever you like, then you know, what is a pass rusher going to do for you at that point? Yeah, maybe no, a lot, it, but like, right. There's not. a lot. Listen, the, the, the second half of this season is going to either answer or lead to so many questions going into 2024. Now I think it's that way every year, but it feels like this last nine games, that's right. Nine, nine games is going to set up a lot. You know, because you've got – because if it falls apart, then you've got, well, this – you know, Arthur Smith, Terry Font are going into year four. They haven't made playoffs. Quarterback situation – quarterback question. Then you've got some of the some of the, the skill position guys and some of your more talented younger players are entering contract situations. Like, th- th- there's a lot in this next nine weeks that – is going to be very, very interesting. I, I'm, I'm really kind of, no matter how this plays out on the field, I'm almost, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what that might mean because all of these things could butterfly effect out. And it, it's, it's really, really interesting to see what, what all happens with it because, you know, we might be sitting here six months from now and you're talking about a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah, I mean that that's true. It it feels a little bit like a microcosm of your you're in the moments right before the big game that's going to decide everything, your legacy, the season, all that stuff and and you're like I know that 5 hours from now I'm going to know how it all turns out. I'm going to know if everything goes well or if this is going to suck and move it and it's like yeah, regardless of that outcome, you know that the journey ahead is going to be very important, very impactful 
hopefully very exciting. Um, but Mike, every time we have you on the podcast, it's exciting. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and filling us uh, in on all of the big undertakings uh, for the Atlanta Falcons over the past week. Anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, I just feel like I'm the game before the big game for you, bud. So glad to help out. <laughs> no, you are the Super Bowl. You are the oh, Pro Bowl. Let me have, let me have a little bowl. bit of self-deprecation today, please. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll allow you that. Um, would you like to plug? Uh, yeah, obviously, you, you know, read all my stuff at ESPN.com. Uh, you can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, and threads. I'm on threads now. So if you're on threads, come hang out there. I try to do uh, a thread out of each game. Um, okay. And I do that on threads, uh, not on, on X, uh, but yeah, uh, read all my stuff at ESPN.com. You can follow me on all the social medias, uh, trying to do more food and travel stuff, uh, on Instagram as I'm want to do. So same, all the same handle of at Mike Rothstein there. So yeah, just, uh, follow me, interact. I try to be as interactive as possible, even when you're mean to me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a pleasure being here as always, my man. I appreciate that. Um, thank you for the time as always. That will do it for today's episode of Believe in Falcons, which as always was presented by Bet Online. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to listen. Thank you again to Mike Rothstein for joining me as my guest today. I hope you guys learned a lot about the team, what Arthur Smith's been saying, what Desmond Ritter's been saying, everybody. Just, yeah, again, it was a nice little, I think, deep dive into the state of the Falcons at a very, very interesting inflection point of the season. And, you know, I think by extension, the Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot um, era so far here in Atlanta. So again, that will do it for me today. Follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. If you'd like, we got another stadium walk coming Sunday morning as I will head into Mercedes-Benz Stadium to cover this weekend's matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. And then bright and early Monday morning, Ovi and I will return with our thoughts on all of the action, how it went down, how Taylor Heineke looked. Will the Falcons once again have a winning record or will they be below 500 on the season? Tune in to find out. But that's all I got for you guys today. Until next time, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.